we are today. Very good. Uh, do you want to sit? Hello. Do you want to shift over? No, you, you. Yeah. No, no. When you sit this way, no one is going to sit there. When you sit in this way, you look at your seat on your left. When you sit this way, that seat becomes impossible to sit. So you either sit here or you sit there. Don't sit in the. You know, it's like parking. Don't park in the middle. <laughs> then what happened to the cushion here? Have you all attended concerts before? How many of you have attended concerts before? Do you all buy the floor ticket? The floor ticket is the more expensive one, isn't it? Then there's the site, and then the one. Uh, uh, the cheapest is right at the edge. Yeah. So, what are the sitting, what, which kind of tickets do you usually buy? The floor? All kinds. Huh? All kinds. All kinds, ah. Huh? Huh? You will buy the front seat. How much is the front seat? So, what is the most, I mean, we bought before, right? Not exactly concert. It's more of a, more about MMA competition. MMA competition. You went for... Yeah, I, went, I, went, I went to watch. Or to watch, not, not to, to participate. participate. And how much do you pay? No, no, no. It's quite expensive. Quite expensive. What is the most expensive that you have paid before? For a typical concert, minimally, maybe 120 or 80 I don't think that's thirty dollar ticket, right? Unless it's like Thai level kind of. <laughs> so, some some of the prices may go up to two hundred over dollars, yeah, for the floor, maybe even more than that. Ah, depending on the artist. So if it's Zhou Jilun or Zhou Huajian, how about Andy Lau? Who is your favorite now? Or who is the favorite, like hot? Who is hot now? J Cho. J Cho. Is J Cho Ah. So how much is, the, is his ticket? All of you went for concert, then now all of you looking around, don't know what is the price. How much did you all pay? The camera is facing me, not facing you all. Don't have to be shy about it. Come on, we only have one hour plus left. So how much do you pay for it? Who has paid at least a hundred or hundred and below? Hundred and fifty and below? Hundred to hundred and fifty? Hundred and fifty to two hundred? Two hundred and above? Two hundred and to two hundred and fifty? Two hundred and fifty to three hundred? 
300 to 400. Anybody? 3 to 400. So 250 to 300. Was it the floor? Floor, huh? Now, what was the reason why your, why most of you would not pay for the floor? Floor sitting. Because of the price. Uh, or is it because the singer wasn't worth that price? What if it's free and you happen to know someone uh, who gave you free tickets, complimentary tickets, and it's either the floor seating or the, the front facing but it's on the slope or the side or the right at the very edge. If it's free, free complimentary tickets, uh, given that you want to go and watch that, yeah? If it's some obscure singer that you don't know and you don't are not interested, then even if it's free, you wouldn't go for it. Yeah, it's no longer a matter of price. So, given that you are interested, and then the price being free, what is the seating that would you? What is the seating that you would choose? Would you a go for the side seat where you you have only the side view, and sometimes because it's two side. You can only see a quarter of the stage. Yeah, that's the very cheap, uh, maybe sixteen dollars ticket. Yeah, uh, and sometimes it's so high up. Yeah, <laughs> you are the few person who is up there, <laughs> and then there's a big gap, and then people are below. Mm. So if it's free complimentary, now I'm asking you this question as it is. Okay, don't overthink it. This is not a dharma question. Okay, don't try to think. Hmm, what is Sifu trying to ask me? I better give a, uh, an intelligent answer. Don't. Don't try to... Never try to do that. Especially not in the Dharma class. When you try to do that, it defeats the whole point. Yeah? You, if you read the Nikayas, the Buddha asks a very simple question and people just answer as it is. Even sometimes uh, to the detriment of their standing. The, the person will just answer as it is. Even when they are doing foolish things and the Buddha asked whether they were indeed doing foolish things, they will just answer, yes, I was doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, let me repeat the question again. A show of hands. Uh, three options. If, you, if it happened to be a concert, okay, I'm talking about worldly entertainment. Yeah. Imagine the singer or the artists that you are interested in, Korean, Japanese, pop, K-pop, J-pop, whatever pop, yeah, or, or maybe some of you prefer the Kanto, Kanto pop, yeah, the, and not the modern Kanto, but the old Kanto. Whatever rocks your boat, okay? And now, you have free complimentary ticket. Three categories. First category, floor, yeah, front facing. If the singer were to walk out, maybe you might get lucky and shake his hand or her hand. Okay? That's the first choice. Second choice, the, the slope area. Okay? Third choice, the side. Which is the one that you would choose? First choice, floor. Finally. Second choice, the slope. So you would choose both. You can only choose one, huh? 
the slope phasing? Who would, uh, how about the site? Who would choose the site? Okay, so you can eradicate the site. So, those who choose the slope, why do you choose the slope area? The view is better? Okay. What if it is that the floor itself is also slightly sloped? Would you choose to still sit at the slope which is really far away where the singer is just like a thumbnail? You don't need to... Ah, so you are those who might as well just listen on the radio type. Ah, enjoy the atmosphere. Okay. What about you? Uh huh. Ah. Do whatever you want to do. Okay. I see. Uh huh. Yeah. So for you, you would choose the floor or the back. Ah. You want to see the face, ah? You want to see whether Jay Cho is still handsome. How they look in real person. Okay. Who else? Who else chose the the back? You choose the back. Okay. Why? A lot of screaming. Okay. So, um, but you all will not choose the site. How about you? High class. Yeah, but take note, huh? This free complimentary, and you are among the the you are. You are among the first ten to be given the free complimentary ticket. Shifu is the organizer. <laughs> Shifu is giving you the ticket. Free. So, wait, wait. So, you are choosing second row or the one that... Okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Maybe you don't understand the question. First choice is the floor. The floor can be right up at the stage, can be all the way to the end of the floor, but that is still nearer to the screen, to the stage, compared to the one at the slope. Imagine uh, the indoor stadium, okay, or any of the concert hall, where the uh, it's like a auditorium, yeah, and then the slope is actually quite far away, yeah. So imagine if you are at the auditorium. Visually, visually, um, the concert hall itself looks about this size. From where you are, this is how big the concert hall looks like. Whereas if you are maybe in the middle of the floor, the concert hall looks like this. Something like that. Yeah, compared to like this. It looks like a Buddha like that. Of course, the person is only like that. Uh. So you would still choose... Which would you choose to be further? Now, if you have the have the choice, would you choose to be as far as you can? 
in the middle. So would you be comfortable to be in the middle of the floor? Or at the end of the floor? As far as... Middle front. Middle front. Ah, okay. So, um, out of the whole group, about four of you all would choose not to be in the floor for various reasons. Some of you, because you may feel like you don't want to feel pressured to join in the fan club. And, and, and indeed, when I went for my maybe one and only uh, concert I've ever attended in my whole life, Shagen Asuka, <laughs> back in the 90s, uh, mid-90s, uh, I was one of those who paid for the, I think maybe, if not the cheapest, second cheapest ticket. And I was up on the slope at the side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, partly because I wasn't really a fan. I, I don't really listen to music to begin with. But it was because I took Japanese language and my teacher shared with us about some Japanese culture and part of it is music. Shagen Asuka. Yeah. Brother Moon, Sister Sun, Sun, Brother Sun, Sister Moon or something. There's a whole range. Um, and so when I, and then it so happened that at that point in time there was the concert. So I went for the concert, bought a ticket. Uh, the interesting thing is that it was, uh, it was an interesting experience for me because I wasn't right at the edge. It was somewhere in, the, in between the, the, the side slope. And even the side slope, from the side slope, I could actually have quite a good view of the whole concert, but it was like the side of it because the stage is there, and then this is where the floor sitting is, and actually the front most of them are standing there; they are not sitting. Yeah, and they had those giant hands and tubes, and you know, and they were all in unison. I almost thought that they were. It was like ching. Hala <laughs> hala oh oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, there was they were in such unison that it was almost as though they were part of the performance you know yeah, but they were clearly fans yeah uh I, I ask you to answer the, the question as it is because uh, the context is important. And because in the context of a concert that you're interested in, if price is not an issue, we would choose to sit, sit up front and personal. We may not all want to be on the front line. Some may want, some may not want. But we would prefer to be uh, at a comfortable uh, distance where we can actually enjoy the performance. Yeah. So, what is the relevance? The relevance is, this is like a concert hall. Yeah. But for some strange reason, in Dharma classes, not just this, but in many Dharma classes, unless it's all jam-packed, then you have no choice. You have to just fill up whatever empty seats. But Buddhists are very strange. We always want to sit at the side or as far as we can away from the speaker. Yeah. So I want you all to think about what goes on in your mind. Yeah. Because those who are sitting in front, it's not as though you are required to do something special. 
Yeah. So why? Yeah. If you, is there anyone who wants to share? <laughs> you notice that there's a very prominent whole column that is empty. Yeah. And right, right at the start, the, the, the whole chunk there were actually empty. Yeah. But everybody chose to sit to, towards the side. Some of them sat here. Yeah. So this is a, an observation. And it's not just today, in, in most, in many classes. Yeah. We tend to want to sit as far as we can. Um, to be fair, Shifu was like that. Not for Dhamma class but for classes in university. Before university, your your seat is pretty much assigned, so you have no choice, especially in secondary and primary school. In JC, every tutorial is different, yeah. but usually the group is very small. Uh, But in the lecture hall, in the LTs, from JC and university, we would tend to sit far away. The front row are usually occupied by nerds, yeah, the kiansu kiansi type, who is there, like with stack of notes, yeah, and books, with with text, ready to pounce on the lecturer immediately after the the lecture ends. Yeah, they are the ones who would ask questions. Yeah, that most of us would be like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> but that was in university and in JC. Yeah, I remember how in the first two years I would always be seated right at the back. But I have reasons for doing that. Because by the time I reached university, I was 21, I would have been, I would have written code for about 8 years already, even before entering university. So I had sort of some kind of reasons to not really care about listening. Yeah? And in fact, for some subjects, I really didn't have to listen. Yeah, I, I knew what was going on. But then because of that, because of that complacency, um, it caused me to to slack even for subjects that I wasn't good at. So much so that I failed two subjects and did badly for the rest in year two. Uh, partly because in year one I was quite on. Yeah. So for year one, for some subjects like data structure, I was sitting like middle back. Yeah, because programming, you know, KNRC, yeah. But in year one, for most subjects, I was sitting seated in middle because some of the subjects are, are new. And because in year one, I did quite okay. So year two, hey, you know, yeah, what do you care? I would, I would skip. I would even, um, sitting behind is the, is, is the better part already because there were many lectures where I would skip. I would skip so much lectures that there was once the the there was this guy who came to our class and then he wrote down the uh, the uh, a name and then he started giving out um, some papers and when it reached reached the the back where I was seated then I found out that oh that's the 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 subject review course review yeah we have to give feedback. So, I asked my, my friend, what's the subject code? <laughs> I skipped so many lectures that I didn't even know the subject code. Yeah. 
The subject quote was, I think, maybe CE202. Uh, probably discrete mathematics. <laughs> yeah. And then I asked him, what's the lecturer's name? <laughs> and then he was like, it's up on the board. I was like, oh, okay, that's the lecturer's name. Then I was like, who's that guy there? <laughs> and he's the lecturer. <laughs> that was how bad. And, and you know how, um, how course review is usually done after the middle of the semester, usually three quarter, just before the semester exams. So that's how much uh, lessons I was skipping. I'm telling you this not to say that uh, I'm proud of it. If you ask me if I have a chance to do that again, I will do it very differently. Yeah. In fact, I did differently in my year, year three. Because after failing two subjects, C203 and 201, digital system and contract instrumentation, um, I, um, there, was, there were about three weeks, three to four weeks during the holidays, where I, w I went into this state where every single day I asked myself what, what the purpose is, the purpose of doing all this. Yeah, because... Uh, that was the first time I failed in a major exam. And then it had to be in university. And so I thought to myself, like, this is the end of my, my academic career. <laughs> this is the end of my life, you know. But after three to four weeks, I kind of figured things out. I figured that, contrary to what I thought right at the start of the year, for the subject CU203, I was under the impression I had this somehow negativity about the, the lecturer. Uh, and it was in part because in year one, some students were taught by him, Dr. Clement Chia. He's a fine, for the record, Dr. Clement Chia is, is a good lecturer. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he don't spend time going around, around. He, 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 he actually goes through root locus, control, and everything else in between. Yeah. And, and so what was the learning point? The learning point is, if he is so bad, then everybody should fail. But then in university, there's moderation, then everybody should pass. Yeah. But not everybody fail. Only some of us fail. Yeah. So, um, so I figured the problem should be with me. Yeah. But then at the same time, I didn't feel all subjects. And the fact is that I managed to enter university, so I can't be that bad. So it means it's my attitude during his class. So I came up with this matrix where you have all the different kind of teachers and all the different kind of students. And if you were to cross multiply it out, then you have a have a uh, resultant matrix where the best combination is when the student with the best attitude comes into contact with the teacher of the best caliber. Then you have the best result. If you have the student who is, you know, always skipping class and uh, truant and with uh, not paying attention and so on, then coupled with the uh, uh, teacher who is not able to deliver, then you have the worst result. 
uh, or it means that the student will have to do a lot of additional work trying to catch up. Yeah. So in year three, because the second half of year two, we did industrial attachment, had a great time. Uh, so in year three, when I had to retake the subject, what I did was I sat right in front. Yeah. I sat right in front from the whole year, or for the whole semester, with notes, with my full scan all ready to take notes. Um, the only thing in my mind was, I'm going to absorb as much as I can from this lecture. I'm not going to care about what happened last year. I'm not going to care about what people say about him. I'm going to care only about one thing. How much can I absorb from this guy? I'm not going to care that people, those uh, who are my juniors, because I'm joining in the next batch for that subject, I'm not going to care about what they say or what they think, like this guy, who, who is this guy? Uh? And because the front row is almost vacant, there's only like one other guy and then me. <laughs> yeah, so it's like super prominent. Second row, they have a few more. Third row, a lot more. And the rest would usually sit further and further away. I couldn't care less. Yeah, I would sit right in front. And in fact, I would do the same for other subjects because I realized that, heck, if I, if I don't do it, then I'm the one who faces the consequences. Yeah. So... Uh, Why do some of you look so serious? Huh? <laughs> so you have a choice. When you're, and, and it's not just this class, this SGC, but for any, any, any class that you attend, can ask yourself, uh, which type of student do you want to be? Do you want to be, do you want to uh, be the backbencher student or the frontliner student? Yes, and that's why, you see, like because this this room is in this way. Um, in many centers, it's a bit longish. And many times, the chairs are all the way to the back. And in many places, I insisted that the chair be placed by the side, which is a bit closer to the front. Yeah, ask people for having to sit on chairs. Yeah, so here it's quite okay. Because even though you are sitting on the chair at the edge, at the back, but it's not so far away. Yeah. Okay, let's see. On my life, anybody who is new here today, you have introduced yourself before? You have, huh? Okay, then the rest are all uh, season parking holder on my right. Regulars. Regulars. Mm, yes. Okay, so today's topic is AMA, Ask Me Anything. And the topic is Qingming and Buddhism. So, we all know what Qingming is. In Chinese, Qingming Sao Mu. 
So, have you all started the prayers? Some of you have? Yeah. When is the exact date of Qingming? 5th of April? Is it 5th or, or 3rd or 4th? 5th? I heard that every year is the same. It's not the same, huh? Uh, it's around that few days, la, but not always the same, right? Hmm. So, uh, for most Singaporeans, uh, Qingming and Samu is synonymous. Yeah, it, it is one thing. And for the most part, for most Chinese, uh, it is the case also. But if you go back about 2,000 to 3,000 years ago, um, Qingming and Samu is actually separate. Yeah. So, um, I've shared before in uh, some sessions about Qingming. So I'm going to share a bit about what Qingming is um, and perhaps to some extent how it is related to Buddhism. And then I want to open to the floor for you to just ask whatever you want to ask about Qingming. Um, I may not have all the answers. Okay. So, uh, some years back, I was invited to share on Qingming. So at first, when I went through the words Qing, 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 the Qing, Ming Liang, the Ming. So when I first uh, went through it, hey, Xiao Titi, can you sing? Can <laughs> so at first I thought, hmm, this is a celebration of purity yeah, and wisdom, Qingming. Then I thought, but wait, Qingming is a Chinese festival, it's not an Indian festival. So maybe it's not related to Buddhism in that way, you know. I cannot simply just interpret the words in the Buddhist way. Yeah. If you do that, it's called Yi Yi means you just interpret the meaning yeah, by the character and then from there uh, infer the original meaning. Sometimes it can, sometimes it, many times you can't. Especially when the the phrase has a different origin, yeah, from the language that you're using. Uh, so, uh, does anybody know the origin of Qingming? No. Ah, you know. Ah, Ulambana. Ah, Ulambana is in Qiyue. Ah, that's Yulan Penjie. Ah. Uh, that has uh, reference to the Yulan Penxing. Uh, uh, that is Zhongyuan Jie. Yeah. So Qingming is called, also called Qingming Jie. Yeah. Qingming Jie. So Qingming Jie, Zhongyuan Jie is actually really a Jie a festival. So uh, way back in China, there was a point in time where Qingming is actually not related to uh, ancestral worship. Yeah. That was way back. I think Xiang Chao Yi and and earlier. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar it should be 
any are you familiar the earlier dynasty Sang Chao yeah so we are usually familiar with uh, uh, Bei Wei yeah uh, Wei, Wei, Wei Chao then Nam Bei Chao then Tang Song Yuan Ming Qing yeah so the, the different dynasties that is closer to us we tend to be more familiar but the earlier stages so in the earlier stages I did some research uh, you all can go and search so um, according to the records the earlier earlier ones yeah um, there was a point in time where Qingming was basically just a festival in celebration of spring spring going on to summer yeah it was nothing to do with ancestral worship. Uh, then why is it called Qingming? Yeah, Qingming was to describe um, the the weather, yeah, and the whole environment. Yeah, Qi Qing Jing Ming. Yeah, the full phrase is actually Qi Qing Jing Ming. Yeah, and then you take out the two characters become Qingming. Yeah, so the Qing. Qing Ce the Qing is referring to the Kong Qi. Kong Qi Qing Ce. Yeah. Then Jing Ming. Yeah. Meaning that the scenery, the outdoors, is, is very clear and bright. Yeah. Now, it, in Singapore, you mean like, whole, whole year is like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it's because in ancient, I mean in China, there's the fall season. So just before this, it was the harsh winter. Yeah. So in the harsh winter, the, the outdoors is all basically um, either covered with snow or the leaves are all fallen and it's basically like yang. <laughs> yeah. And oftentimes there's still a bit of mist. Yeah. So the, the visibility is not, not far, not, I mean, yeah, not far, not clear. But then comes spring and then uh, approaching uh, like... Uh, Going, going on to summer already, yeah, around March period. Then there's light shower, and so the dust would settle. Yeah, not, not Singapore hot sun and then with the rain, uh, then it's very humid. In, in other countries, it is light shower. Yeah, so you can imagine light shower, but the weather is still cool. Yeah, and because of the light shower, all the dust settle, uh, no fog and mist, yeah, and there's radiance from the sun. Yeah, so, Qi Qing Jing Ming. So, Qing Ming Jie is when the family would go to the outdoors. Yeah, so that I go out to park for, for picnic, not party, uh, picnic. Yeah, to enjoy the outdoors. Because, um, before that it was harsh winter, and, you know, people are just huddling around the stove. Yeah, then, yeah, now, with Qing Ming, then you fully, yeah, step into spring. So a long time ago, it was just this celebration. Then, some of the earlier emperors, they started this thing called uh, ancestral worship, where they would go to the imperial tomb to pay respects to the Xianzu. Um, in, in a way, that is a somewhat political move also. Yeah. Uh, by going there to pay respect to the previous emperors, emperors they are uh, legitimizing, legitimizing their rule of the land. Yeah, because for example, Qingming during Qingming, 
Whose tomb do you go and sell? Who do you go and sell? Who? Your own ancestor, right? If you go there and when you arrive, there's another person over there with food offering and then a whole bunch of kids. And then you go there. Then, then let's say you are there to pray to your akong. Then the person will say, This is my akong. But you don't know them. <laughs> yeah. If, they, if that is your akong, then that is actually your cousin, isn't it? Then you're like, Which akong are you talking about? No, this one, no. Then pointing at your akong. Yeah. How would you feel? You probably look at your parents and like, hey, I'm not. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By if if they do that, what does that mean? That means they are actually part of the family, you know. Uh, it means that wow. So imagine now, Qingming, you all go to our late LKY's place to go and pay respect. Do you all go there to pay respect? Actually, do you all know where is his? I think nobody knows. Uh. <laughs> mm. So in a way, when the empress back then, when they pay respect to the imperial tomb, uh, they are legitimizing their position. That, mm, I am the next in line. Yeah, I am the rightful uh, heir or the rightful ruler. Yeah. Uh, but the impact to the commoners is, with the emperor doing this practice, it slowly uh, became widespread in the commoners, and the commoners also started doing this paying of respect of the of their uh, ancestors. But still, it was not at Qingming. It was in the cold winter months, and they would offer food that is actually cold. Yeah, and then um, over the next few centuries, then this. This uh, practice got shifted, shifted, shifted until around, if I don't recall wrongly, maybe around Tang Song period or, or thereabout, and the two became uh, celebrated together. Yeah. And then that's where uh, the, the family would take the opportunity to uh, go and salmu at the same time while enjoying the, the scenery. Yeah. Because before that is Tong Tian, then you go there, some move, some what, yeah, and it's all cold. Then you just okay, okay, tung, 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 tung. <laughs> yeah. But in Singapore, it's different. Uh. Singapore is hot, right? Okay, okay, tung, tung, tung. <laughs> yeah. So in Singapore, those who are young enough, some of you may remember, yeah, some move, yeah, four five o'clock, wake up, then go there. Why? Because it's not because of some special timing. It's all because of the weather. Yeah, and also Singaporean are kiasu. So we go earlier to avoid the jam. Yeah, because if you go at about 8 plus 9, the whole place is packed. Yeah. So uh, fast forward to today, um, for many young people, there's no sound move also. Because there's no move. Because strictly speaking, move uh, is the, the tomb. Yeah. So in Singapore, landscape Singapore, uh, many of the tombs have been exhumed. So uh, there's only that many tombs left. Yeah, even Bukit Brown is already is it exhumed already? Partially, yeah. Mm. Mount Vernon, 
uh, a, a huge chunk of it has been exhumed. They are building up the place also. Yeah. Uh, in fact, a lot of places that today we are familiar with it being built up uh, used to be filled with cemeteries. Like the whole Bishan area, last time used to be plantation and cemetery. Tuapayo, yeah, Tapayao, the, the very name itself. From what I know, uh, any of you who know the history of the name Tapayao? All used to be cemetery, yeah. Mm. So, uh, but no fear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have been around for so long, uh, and besides human beings, there are also other sentient beings. You cannot find one inch of land in this world where no one has died before. <laughs> yeah, there are enough of us to go around that anywhere, including this place, that place. Everywhere, there would have been someone who has died before. Yeah. So, uh, as a result, nowadays when we have Qingming, we usually have Qingming and we go to the temple or we go to, like, let's say, some of the uh, public uh, columbarium. And then you go there and there's usually rows and rows of, like, uh, almost look like bookshelves. Yeah? Except that in, in place of books, then you have niches. Yeah, niches. Uh, there was once I was invited to do a service for, uh, for, a, uh, for a devotee's family. One of the family members just passed away. So they invited me uh, on the day where they uh, sealed the niche uh, to do a prayer. So when we arrived, uh, they were, some of them were setting up the, the table and everything, and the rest were all standing outside. So I, I look around the, the, the rows and rows of niches. Yeah. How many of you, when you go to the columbarium, and then you go and look around? Huh? They all go and look around? They all, they all go and see, hello. <laughs> Dumbing, what? Hello. <laughs> I mean, but I'm not joking about this. I'm not trivializing it. Uh, for me, that's what I did. So that day while waiting for the setup, I looked through the different niches. And the one thing that struck me was, it was a mirage of <clears throat> men, women, young and old. There was no cons- there were no consistent pattern. It is not that all of them are about seventy plus. It is not that they all fit neatly into the statistics that we read from census. The latest census or the the latest research finds that our human lifespan in on in Singapore, yeah, life expectancy is eighty to eighty five. Women being eighty five. Uh, on average, and men about 81 point something. Mm. That's the reason why it's called life expectancy. Yeah. It is not life certainty. It's expectancy. That, yeah, you expect to roughly live up to that age. But it's not certain. And because it's an average yeah, or median, so there are those who live longer 
and there are those who live shorter. And of course, with any bell curve, there are those outliers who some of them live up to 100, 200, not, not 200, 100, 110 years old or something. And then there are those who live up to maybe only 20, 30 years old or even younger. So as I look through the columbarium, um, I, that's what I see. There are some that are kids, there are some in their 20s, some that are in the 60s or 70s, different age group. Some of them, through the photos you can tell, others you have to look at the date. Uh, there are some people who tell me that when they go to columbarium, yeah, whether it's those in the temple or those in the public, they feel that it's very spooky. Yeah. And then they say, oh, and especially when kids are there, then they are very afraid of kids saying the wrong thing. Yeah, because kids, kids are very curious. Yeah, so if you go there with kids, then your kids ask, Mommy, Mommy, how come the uncle not smiling at once? <laughs> or, Mommy, Mommy, the uncle smile at me. <laughs> Chinese has a lot of this taboo. Yeah, because we, our attitude towards the spiritual realm uh, can be defined by this this saying, Yu Kui Shen Jing Yuan Zi. That as far as the spiritual realm is concerned, with its spirits, goals, and gods, deities, and so on, yeah, even Buddha is included in this category. Yeah, we usually have the Jing Yuan Zi. So Jing, Zhuan Jing the Jing. Yeah, treat with respect, but keep your distance. Jing Yuan Zi. Keep your distance. Uh, so maybe that's why you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so you see. Yeah. You see. 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 You our experience is always uh, a mixture of respect and fear. And it's because, I, I think, partly because typically our contact with those who are higher than us tend to be um, not the kind of uh, friendly, friendly, lovey-dovey kind of experience. Yeah? Because most of us, especially our parents' generation, we've seniors it tend to be yeah. and then coupled with the with the mindset that if you say the wrong things, yeah, it may create some consequences, yeah. And some of this has to do with our earlier Chinese uh, uh, concept. The early early Chinese have this uh, idea about Li Su, yeah, Li Yi. That we we emphasize a lot on protocol. Yeah. To do what to do, what not to do, what to do, what not to do. Yeah. Um, for a glimpse of the intensity of this, you can look at Korea and Japan. Yeah. They incorporated this and it's so deeply entrenched without thinking it's like that already. And it stems from the very early, like some of the like 
Zhuang Zi, Lao Zi, those, those group of people, where they say, if everybody know their position and do accordingly, this world will be at peace. Yeah? Uh, 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 so that's so the Chinese believe strongly in order, yeah. That if everybody do their part, everything too should be sweet, sweet, yeah. And then we just make minor adjustments according to the, to what happens in the stars, and then the you know everything wow sweet, sweet. So some of this idea get infused in our culture, and so that translates to where if we when we have our prayers, you all may be familiar, or you all may observe how uh, there's always one or two aunties who know how to do the setup during Qingming. Everybody else don't know. I have to ask, hey, hey, do you go library? <laughs> yeah. Then he, when he come, no, no, this one put here, that one put there, then or oh, like that, like that, like that. Yeah? Yeah. Today we look at that as taboo, that is just custom. We look at that as just superstition. Yeah, but and they may not know that it has that link all the way back also. But it is very subtle. Culture is a very interesting thing. Culture is where you don't have you're not specifically told it's just part of who you are. Where you have this ingrained belief that as long as you do everything in order, things will go well. And that's why they are so afraid of kids. Because kids are unpredictable. Kids never quite know. How, what needs to be done, what cannot be done. <laughs> yeah? And that's why you may share this experience that when you're a kid, you are usually shooed away from the, the, the author. Yeah? Only at the critical moment you are asked over and very specifically told to shut up, don't say anything, just hold the joystick and then not three times and then pass to the elder and then before you can utter your words of wisdom, yeah. And when I was saying it was always like, why, what, like, <laughs> you know? And to be fair, I was probably given a lot of leeway already. Yeah. Um, but over the years, as I observed more and more, then I realized that ah, it has to do with this. Because we are afraid that the child may say the wrong thing. And upset the whole balance, the whole equilibrium that has far-fetching, cascading uh, effect, repercussion. Not just on him, but on, wow, don't know, generations to go. Yeah, because Chinese have uh, 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 a fellow monk from China, he told me, you come from a small country, from a young country, your you all think in terms of 5 to 10 years. That monk is from China. He says, we think in terms of hundreds of years. We, we, always, we are always concerned, if we make this decision, hundreds of years from now, what is the impact? Generations from now, what would future generations think about what we have done? Yeah. To some extent, until today, I still feel like, but why? 
However, over the years, I start to appreciate a bit of why. And it's because they have that legacy to protect. Yeah. In a way, we don't have. Yeah. In a way, we don't have. And maybe that's why when we look at some of the Chinese customs and practices, it's like, so what? And perhaps while we have that mindset, yeah, or the, the Chinese Chinese have that mindset traditionally, um, that may not translate totally to the spiritual practices as well. Because after all, in Buddhism we say, in guo zi fu, yeah. Whatever cause you do, you reap. Yeah? Nobody else, it doesn't go beyond you. Yeah? So, but we are, our parents are in that transitional phase, in a way. Because they, are, they were brought up in a traditional way. So for them, it's still very much, yeah. don't ask, don't tell, don't say anything. Just leave it to zigo. Or Lao Yi. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder, what happened if that person died away, passed away? And then he, she's the one who is in one of the tablet now. Then the next guy don't know what to do. But somehow there will always be one guy who or, or, or one auntie who will stand in, you know. Yeah. And yet at the same time, there's never quite like have you ever heard of any of the senior auntie and uncle say, okay, now you have come of age. You are now 25 years old. You have to come and attend this, this briefing. I have never heard anyone, I, I, I reached like 29 and then, and then went off. But before that, nobody say like, okay, now it's your turn. You have to, you know, undertake this, yeah, this heritage. Yeah. While we seem to preserve that, but yet we don't seem to have any system to preserve that. So 10 years from now, 20 years from now, who will be the one to highlight all that? Or should we still highlight that? I don't know. Yeah. Qingming now and 20, 30 years ago, is it still the same? Not quite, isn't it? Yeah. I say... Uh, traditions and customs should not be abolished for the sake of abolishing. But they should not be preserved for the sake of preservation as well. I say we should try to understand them. And then perhaps the best way to honour the tradition is to um, retain and uplift the spirit, the, the very values that it stands for. Not just to maintain the form, but to bring out the qualities that we Chinese as told, yeah, or as Buddhists we, we value. So I've been suggesting to students, uh, in Qingming period, we do our prayers. Yeah? But I also suggest to students, uh, something that I've seen done loosely in my family, my mother's side. Uh, while we are waiting for Akong Ama so, so Kong, uh, to finish eating, do you all know the process? Yeah, we do an offering. Before you do offerings, sometimes you have to like invite them, sign 
you will always ask the 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 youngest uh, son or do you know nephew or whoever lah, then to go and ask. So I'm usually tasked to ask. Then later on, when I grow older, then it's my nephew, my cousin who is 12 years younger than me to ask. So before we do, we we set up all the stage. Then we have to ask to invite them to come and eat. Then after that, about one hour later, yeah, then the same person will have to go and ask. Japabe. Yeah. And interestingly, on some occasions, yeah, because kids are very hungry. Is it time yet? And sometimes my uncle is very cute. He knows that, you know, sometimes I'm hungry, right? So what he will do is, he will say, Boy, <laughs> he will just bring me out, go and buy buy some snacks or something for me to eat. <laughs> go and buy French fries. My <laughs> uncle. And then eventually, when it's time, then he will ask me to go and ask. Yeah. But sometimes there was there was one year when we go and ask one one hour sharp ah. Uh, eh, then really chiu pui Yeah. Yeah. Chiu pui. Come on, chiu pui. Then after that, okay, okay. Wait for 15 minutes. Then after 15 minutes, ask it, still chihupoya. Then okay, okay, we wait for another 15 minutes. Or finally, after, don't know, half an hour or, or, some, or so, then, okay. Uh, before that, nobody touched the food. Yeah, we must make sure that akong is done. So, so now how? Now, nowadays, uh, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Chihupoya and inpoya and singpoya. Yeah. So nowadays, maybe have to use the the those dice or use the handphone. Is that a a popway app? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You basically start and then you you drop it out. <laughs> you drop it out, then the 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 gyro gyrometer then. But in the meantime, while Akong Ama is eating, then what will happen? Uh, the aunt, aunties, the uncle, they will sit around and then they will gong gong. Yeah, then they will say, Wow, Kutsa, Lao Yi, Zoni Zoni, Akong, Zoni Zoni, Apa, Zoni Zoni. Then they will talk. Uh, for me, it was very um, informative and also entertaining. Yeah, because they will tell all kinds of stories. and. Over the years, I realized that it's more or less the same story. Yeah. Uh, last time when I heard it, I, after a while when you start to remember things, then you're like, ah, same story again. But today I, I feel that um, in a way, it is, a, it is their way to preserve the memory of their parents. And if you think about it, who can say that their parents are perfect? Who can say that their parents did no wrong? Who can say that their parents were perfectly fair? Who can say that their parents has never done make any decision that annoyed them? I'm sure they have. But yet, as I recall, um, throughout all the years when there's Qingming or Zhou Qi, yeah, during the, the memorial day, 
they have nothing but good things to say of, of the seniors. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really beautiful. Because similar to those who have passed away, likewise those who are alive. Yeah. You can choose to remember the wrong of people. Yeah. But if you want to do that, then this world will be very gloomy. Yeah? Because I'm sure you can find something wrong that somebody, that anyone has done that is not to your satisfaction. Yeah? But surely they have done something good as well. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they would relate how my akong is very strict. But it is with a tinge of gratitude and almost pride yeah, that father hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's like it's almost like NS boys, you know. Yeah. Guys when they think back during their NS days, they'll think back how strong it is. But then when we were going through it, oh, <laughs> If you can whack the, the, the sergeant or the corporal, you know, whack the... But later on, when you think back, maybe for some, they still think that it's horrible. Yeah, but for many, when they think back, they will think about how, yeah, we were all stupid and do stupid things. And that's why I always get yeah, Likewise, my, my uncles and aunties, they recollect how my grandpa yeah, was a person of integrity. He was very strict, very firm with everyone. And how everybody gave him that kind of respect as a result. And in so doing, he, they were indirectly sharing with the younger generation certain values. Certain values. Certain qualities. Yeah? And so I say, Qingming shouldn't just be a, a day where we go and get all hot and sweaty and then go and burn a lot of things. But let it be a day of remembrance. Let it be a day where we consider with gratitude those who have come before us. For without them, maybe we will still be reborn but somewhere else. But if we are born somewhere else, there will still be some other ancestors we have to be grateful for. Unless you are reborn as a heavenly being. In which case, we are not going to, we will not be, we'll be having a different conversation. But as far as human beings are concerned, we, we would have had some ancestors. And not just some ancestors, because in their own way, they have contributed to our well-being. Yeah. So as we sit around, uh, respectively, when we all have your Qingming celebration, uh, you all can try to remember, if your parents are still around, then um, perhaps... Try to steer the conversation not to just gossip, busybody, you know. Sometimes, in some cases, you, you hear, you know, like, oh, then, oh, they will start, oh, or the same old thing, keep on complaining. Yeah, instead, all it takes is one person to ask a question. Hey, can you tell us about grandpa or granduncle? What was one thing good that he did that you all can remember? Of course, there can be, this can be, this can go two ways. Huh? It could be that they, they, they stare blankly for five minutes and, and 
think really hard like, oh, that uncle, oh, well, he didn't kill anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's quite unlikely. Yeah. I'm sure each and every one of them has done something good. But being unenlightened, we have done some stupid things also. So instead of letting the conversation just go haphazard, perhaps all it takes is one of us to ask, what did our ancestors do? What did they do that we can be proud of? Yeah. Let it be very directed and specific. And then that can become a heritage, an inheritance. We tend to think about inheritance in terms of Oh, how much did Akong leave behind? Uh? Yeah. Sometimes I hear, I hear of how, wow, Zhou Gong last time, wow, uh, the what? Uh? Don't know, is it Chiu Ning Hung or, or the Din? Uh? Yeah. Wow, how my Akong, my Zhou Gong last time was, you know, the family had a lot of business, and then my Akong was called uh, Xia. Yeah. Because she, he is his uh, horoscope is any, the animal is pig, yeah, and he is considered asya, sao sao ye, yeah. So when he go to school, there's the driver, yeah, on drive. Sometimes it's driver, sometimes it's the yeah to send him. Then after that, yeah, and then they have a atong, which is the equivalent of the butler staying with them. On you know their family has you know and and how. Every day, dinner time, they will all prepare everything, sit there, but nobody stuck. Just waiting for my account to come, arrive, and then he will sit down, look around. Okay, everything in order, then, okay, start. Really, like, you know, a long time ago, Jia Chun Chiu, yeah, that, I mean, I was not even born, but from what I hear from my auntie, yeah, that's really like the Jia Chun Chiu kind of like, oh, yeah. So when we think about inheritance, people tend to think about the material inheritance. Wow, oh, last time, wow, have so much, so much. But ayah, what? Then in the end, the discussion become, you know, like, or ayah, here, here, you know, that the second uncle, what? Wow, he abscond with everything, then didn't share what? You know, that house or the what inheritance. That's what worldly people go after. If we learn from the Buddha, when the Buddha went back to Kapilavastu, uh, Princess Yasudhara, yeah, the wife of the Buddha, she told uh, the, the son, Rahula, that's your father, go and claim your inheritance. And ask him for your inheritance. So Rahula, when he was a young young boy, I think six, seven years old, went to see the Buddha. I want my inheritance. My mother said that you're my father. I want my inheritance. So the Buddha told him, there are two kinds of inheritance. One is the worldly inheritance. Wealth, money, power and everything. That you can stay in the palace. It's there. You can get it from you your grandfather, something like that. Then he said, but that's the second type. That's a spiritual inheritance. And for some reason, Rahula, he decided to go for the spiritual inheritance. 
And then the Buddha said, if you want the spiritual inheritance, come with me. And so the Buddha ordained him. He became, I think, the first novice. Of course, much to the chagrin of, of the grandfather, which resulted in the rule later on, where all uh, young people, when they want to ordain, some interpret that as, if you're underage, you need the parents' consent. Some, in some traditions, basically anyone who wants to ordain, you need parental consent. So, uh, we have to ask ourselves, during Qingming, uh, most of our forefathers have passed away and whatever material worldly inheritance they have they have ready for us would have been distributed except for some I recently heard from a devotee he said that he has a friend whose Zokong left behind this will and this inheritance um, that is to be distributed only after 100 years yeah. <laughs> and and so every year when they meet the the family is always quarreling about that or something. And then you know what happened? So that devotee's friend is don't know which generation already. Hundred years old, at least two or three generations. So one day that friend really said, Oh, finally, you know, they split. And he received quite a substantial amount. Yeah. But most of us uh, wouldn't have that kind of inheritance. Sometimes worldly inheritance is dangerous. It can cause people to split up, to fight. We have seen in newspaper, I'm not talking about the recent case, uh, but in all these years I've seen, and my parents have shown us, so many cases. Yeah. Um, in fact, in recent years, in, in recent past what, half year, there's even the the father uh, in a lawsuit with the 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 son and the wife of like the whole family suing each other, and the and the poor father haven't passed away no, <laughs> and they're already suing each other over the inheritance. Mm. So the Buddha said that wealth wealth will be taken away from us. Uh, by different thieves. Yeah? And one of them is your descendants. It used to be that before you pass away, they will take it away. After you, you pass away, they take it away from you. Yeah? But nowadays, before you, want to, you pass away, they want to take it away from you. So, worldly inheritance doesn't mean that it will always bring problems, but it has the potential. But there's another kind of inheritance. And it is the qualities and values yeah, that our forefathers, our ancestors have. The way they live their life. The way they, they carry themselves. Yeah. And in a way, the best way to honor them is to live our life bring out those qualities. For if we do that, then Maybe one day, maybe a distant friend of our forefathers, they may encounter us. And maybe they, didn't, they don't know that we are, the, we are the descendant. But when they see us act and behave in a certain way, they see and say, Oh, 
so and so. Oh, you know, this decision that you make is quite extraordinary. The last time I heard of someone doing this, it's actually my father telling me that he has this, this close business relation, basically like a family friend. And that, and through the years, we have been told about this person. You are the only person so far that I heard who behave in this way. And then maybe you ask like, what is the name of that person? And that person say, you know, like, Tan uh, whatever or Lim whatever. And then I'm like, that's my grandfather. Ah, no wonder. Wouldn't it be lovely, beautiful, in fact? Yeah? And to me, that is the highest way you can honor the memory of your forefathers. And in that way, they live on through us through the qualities. Of course, don't go and emulate the bad habit. Uh. <laughs> yeah? Borrow things, don't return. <laughs> don't, don't <run. laughs> uh, Emulate the good ones. And as I said, we all being unenlightened, surely there are some good, some bad. If instead of emulating the bad behaviors, we emulate all the good ones, and some distant friend or distant relative were to en- encounter us, separately, it will, it, will, it will actually you know, renew their impression of our forefathers. That, wow, you know, Hokkien, in Chinese we say, wow, <laughs> we usually say, if, if our forefathers, if we are successful, we Chinese tend, tend to say, our oh, forefathers, that those who, who are successful in life, yeah, who have fortune. Yeah, the, the ancestors must have been virtuous, meritorious. And so, in Gyasun, uh, it blesses the, uh, the, the descendants. I recently uh, told my mom, I said, this is actually not a Buddhist concept. This opposes the Buddhist concept. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's one category of karma that can explain this phenomenon. And it is that those who are virtuous may attract others who are virtuous to be reborn together. And so it appears like the virtuous descendant are receiving results that is planted by the forefathers. But in fact, they are receiving the results of their own virtuousness. But maybe our our forefathers were virtuous, but also have some bad habits. Instead of prolonging those bad habits, instead of copying the bad habit, yeah, instead of telling our parents, say, yeah, or sometimes closer to heart, yeah, we may do stupid things, and then we, when our mother scores, then we say, daddy also like that. Yeah, or father scores, then mommy also like that. Or coco also like that. Yeah, tete also like that. Yeah, we are always full of so many reasons. Yeah. Worse yet, if we say "akong" was like that. <laughs> if we if we do that, what will happen? When others encounter us and they realize that oh, we are the we are the grandchildren of that person, then they will say, "See, told you. Two generations now still like that." But of course, for young young people nowadays, they don't feel that way. Because I don't know about the rest of you. When I was young, 
in school, primary school, uh, not, not that you are aware, but I was very old already. Even in primary school, you all can tease each other, say that I'm stupid, ugly, or whatever. Yeah. But if any of, and, you know, very mild, don't, don't, I, I don't go and fight or argue or whatever. But if you dare to say anything about my father or mother, see how they Yeah. Uh, before that, you can joke, you can tease, and then goodie boy. The, the most, we can lao Oh, but if you say anything about my mother or father, you can Before that, I was smiling, smiling. You just say something immediately. Because in the past, it is a very, I don't know about now, again, I, I don't think so. But in the past, you take it very seriously. You don't insult my parents. Yeah. I'm going to bash you up if you... I dare you. I dare you. You say. Not that violence is right. Huh? Uh, but it's how, much, how close you hold your parents to your heart. Yeah. So, Qingming, yeah. take this opportunity to recollect the good points of our forefathers, even those who are not direct parentage, yeah, can be our uncle, can be our auntie, grand uncle, grand auntie. Yeah, surely there's someone up there who, above the family tree, that is good. And then consider how, in today's context, how can we apply that? And then I think, and as you do those good deeds. Live your life with character, with integrity, yeah, with kindness, with forgiveness, and so on. Ah, then, as you do this, ah, you remember, ah, this is because I heard from my, my auntie about Akong. Ah, with this wholesomeness, I dedicate merits to my Akong. Ah, then we directly benefit our forefathers. And then it's no longer just during Qingming that you remember your forefathers. But throughout the whole year, you're always remembering what your mother, your father has taught, what your Akong Amma, how they were like. And then truly we celebrate Qingming. I had intended for you to answer, uh, ask questions, but in the end it's 3 o'clock already. Ah. So, you all have, do you all have any uh, questions or things to ask? About Qingming? Oh yeah, you have? Anybody? Yes? So, <clears throat> so the question is, um, is it less respectful if we do not go to the, to the ancestral niche and the hall to pay respect? Is it okay to just uh, do prayers at home or uh, even at SGC and, and we do dedication? Is, is that sufficient? Um, respect is a very interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, if it's just to 
to have respect towards our ancestors. Uh, respect is something in our heart. Yeah, so, uh, but to, to express that respect, uh, that's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, if, we, if we have due consideration for how our relatives may feel, then you also have to consider what they deem to be respectful. If, uh, if our relatives find that uh, being present, yeah, willing to take that time to be there, uh, to join in for the prayers, uh, is respectful, and we are able to do it, then why not? Yeah. Uh, then why not? Oh. Uh, so, uh, no hard and fast rule. Yeah. So it depends on what you want to do. If it's merely to pay respect to our ancestors, uh, then it's our ancestors. You've got to ask them what they think. Uh, so you go and ask, Akong, if I just do the prayers at SGC, is it enough? Sing <laughs> yeah! Uh, then... If if that's all, if you only care about your akong's uh, like what he think is your akong still no no okay hang sekali akong still no then you feel popway if you and for for those who are younger if you uh, the young kids uh, if your akong is around don't go and popway to your uncle okay uh, to your akong uh. Uh, you don't go to akong uh, akong popway <laughs> then akong wow. So if, if that is a consideration, then you ha- only have to care about your uncle. But if you're concerned about the implications with your relatives, then you have to consider what they deem to be respectful. Oh. Any other questions? If not, uh, then yes, Sherry. Uh, Long John, sorry. Offering of food. In Buddhism, is it necessary to offer food to Akong, Amma, and all, and so on? Hmm. So, um, uh, in in the Buddhist teaching, there is there is no practice to offer food directly to to them. In some cases, there is the practice of doing some offering to visualize uh, them, the, the food, and make it allowable for them. There's also the practice to offer the food to the Sangha. Yeah? And then with the merit, dedicate uh, that you offer the food on their behalf. Yeah? And to invite your ancestors to rejoice in this merit. Yeah, to rejoice in the giving. Uh, so, uh, as far as offering food is concerned, it, in a way, it is more uh, a, a Chinese practice. Yeah, because even before Buddhism spread to China, they have already started that uh, practice. But I don't say that it's a bad one. Yeah, uh, because I've seen how relatives really go you know, go at length to prepare the exact dishes that the the departed one, you know, uh, prefer. Yeah. Uh, 
So to me, that's a lot of effort. But one should be careful. If the effort requires one to go and kill, yeah, explicitly kill because the departed one likes to eat live fish, then you purposely go and kill. And then during the offering, say, Ah, Akong, this is cute for you. Then, Akong say, Tau Mei. Yeah, because of us, then. But I see, you know, we have this in the sutra, it says, when we do meritorious deeds and, you know, share the merits, at most they can get 30%. The one who is living and doing it get at get 70%. Yeah. So, if we do negative one, they also get 30% negative <laughs> if that's the case. Yeah. Who knows, they rejoice in it. Uh. Yeah. So, uh, in my family, at some point, my mother recommended to my ama that we will at home pray with the vegetarian food. So my ama was a bit concerned, like, but so my mother very smart. She said, okay. You must use the same logic to convince them. You cannot just throw in Dharma, you know. Uh, so go through the proper channel. Uh, uh, the people of that generation, you must go through the way one. Uh, don't have to argue. We ask. You don't believe? We ask. Okay. But you must, in a way, if you want to do it that way, then you have to be prepared. Scully, you probably chill or in pray. only once. In cannot ask again. Chill you can wait for a while, then ask again. In means. Hello, what kind of question is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so input you still ask, Jialat. <laughs> okay, any other question? Uh, can burn this, burn that? Ayah, no need to burn. Uh, if you want to burn, you must burn the whole industry, you know. Yeah, why? You burn handphone, you need to burn the charger. Then burn charger, you need to burn the wall plug. Wall plug, then you need to burn the power station. Burn power station, then you need to burn the technician, the engineers, the driver, the you know whole set of. It's a whole city, you know, the whole chain, the whole value chain, yeah, including the, the those who who bring the coal to the power station, yeah. Then scarcely the one that you burn is nuclear, eh? yeah, nuclear power plant. Eh? Then you need to burn. Physicists, the whole. Then someone you need to burn telco. Then you must make sure you burn enough antenna to cover the whole. Yeah. Last thing to say, uh, Chinese has a belief that after dying you become ghost. That is not in conforming. That is uh, not in conformity with. What the Buddha observed. Yeah, after dying, there are six different realms that we may be reborn in. But do not think that it is real or fortune. After dying, come. Ding 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 
now. What the hell? What is this? <laughs> so, uh, you know what? It's not like that, huh? Oh, ding, 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 ding. Human. Okay, then, now turn another one. Huh? Why must turn another one? Which country? Ding, 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 I was going to say Singapore, then another country, then I was like, I realized maybe not so good to say that. <laughs> Politically incorrect. <laughs> Later my video cannot ban. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way, okay? Yeah. According to our karma, whatever is most active, whatever is heaviest, then most active, and according to our habitual tendency, it will bring us to rebirth. Uh, so not everybody after dying become ghosts. Uh, but if you have this kind of wrong view, then there's a chance that you may end up becoming ghosts. Uh. Unless if you have done a lot of heavy karma, heavy good, heavy bad, then you you are quite assured. Uh, heavy good, reborn in heavenly realms. Heavy bad, in the lower realms, in hell. Uh, so don't have to worry. Those who do heavy good or heavy bad, you don't have to worry about your posting. Uh, confirm. Yeah, uh, but the difference is in Buddhism. We say, just as we act finitely, yeah, the good we do, the bad we do is finite. Yeah, it's not infinite. Uh, the the effort we put in is also finite, not infinite. So the result we receive is also finite. So heaven, hell, very long duration, but still finite. Yeah, uh, so. Whereas if you gao put and di put you, not up, not down, then born as human. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as a human being, we don't have to have a laugh at each other. Sama, sama, tabuto. Okay? So I hope that with this, uh, today's session, we have a bit of uh, uh, understanding of this festival. And not just to retain the custom and tradition, uh, but to relook it, re- take a new look at it, and uh, celebrate Qingming in a meaningful and beneficial way. Yeah. With the with this, I like to dedicate the merits to uh, our departed ancestors, uh, those who have come before us, whether direct parental parentage or uh, the distant relative. Uh, wherever they are reborn, may they come into contact with the Triple Gem, learn and practice the Buddha Dharma, and attain to final liberation in due time. Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zhu Fan Nao. Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zhu Fan Nao. Yuan De Zhi Hui Zhen Ming Liao. Pu Yuan Zui Zhang Xi Xiao Chu. Shi Shi Chang Xing Pu Sa Dao. Amitofo. Amitofo. Chili.